the fact is the market is closed. Good Thursday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harris here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, the strength from this week, now making three days in a row, continues for our markets, at least solid days of action. You know, it wasn't higher across the board on Monday and Tuesday, but one thing that all of these days have had in common are good, smart money hours. Uh, so we got a lot of topics to cover here today from the market and the major pattern change that we've seen from this week's action. We'll also get into the latest economic data and what news we can expect from the Federal Reserve. And what may be most interesting here uh, that we've covered a lot over the last few weeks is a recap of what our four FIFO candidates have done. The first in, first out for this bear market. Those four FIFO candidates that we have have continued to lead the way higher from here. But first, as we see it, this is still a bear market rally, way too soon to, to claim anything different here. But we also see that we have a good ways to run here for this bear market rally, as really we recently reached a point of you know, somewhat maximum bearishness, where we've gone so far that there's really nobody else left to sell. And at those times, the shorts begin to cover and we look for a squeeze higher in the markets. And as we see it, we're continuing to look for that squeeze from here. And we're seeing some signs that this could be a massive one. Kip referred to it earlier today as a bull market inside of a bear market. We're starting to see that already from our FIFO candidates that I'll get to here in a minute. But first, let's cover some economic data because we got some big readings coming up. Starting with tomorrow, the June jobs report number, which is expected to come in with 235,000 jobs created tomorrow. And then next week, the big one. All eyes will be on the Wednesday the 13th for the latest round of CPI data. June CPI data comes out then. Really, likely the most important piece of economic data coming in right now. And the reason why is that it's raising the question of, where will the Fed go from here? You know, just running through a quick scenario, what's the Fed going to do if we get a weaker than expected jobs report tomorrow and a better than expected CPI print next Wednesday? That's almost a, a Goldilocks scenario for the Fed to be able to slow down their rate hike increases that we've seen. Uh, so will the Fed begin to take that kind of a tone? The next Fed meeting after the CPI print is two weeks from next Wednesday. Uh, so June, I believe it was 26th and 27th. Um, and as of right now, the, the status quo is for a 75 basis point hike once again this month. We believe the market's really already priced that in. So no real problems there just yet. But really, the question will be about the Fed's wording, the Fed's sentiment towards inflation, towards potentially driving the economy into a recession, and where they see rate hikes going uh, from there. Um, you know, we've already seen a lot of people talking about a weaker than expected jobs report tomorrow. Just today, we got the initial jobless claims coming in at one of their highest levels since January of this year. So if that's the case, and like I said, we see that Goldilocks kind of scenario 
we could be looking at a Federal Reserve that starts signaling, hey, you know, we may be almost done for right now with this scenario because we're already seeing signs that inflation is slowing and we're seeing signs that the economy is slowing as well, which I'll cover that here more in a second. But if it's true that the Federal Reserve, as they claim, Jay Powell claims, to be data dependent, they have to at least consider slowing down the rate hikes after July. The plan for right now is after July for about a 50 basis point hike and then another quarter point from there. I mean, if we get the data, like I just said, that comes in, we could be looking at going right to a quarter after this. We think that's part of the reason why we've seen such a good rally this week. And if we get that kind of scenario, we think this, this rally has a lot further to go from here. But as we continue to hear from Fed presidents, Jay Powell himself, the Fed remains confident that they're not engineering a recession here. Uh, their minutes released yesterday didn't even include the word recession one time in it, not a single time. And today, we just had St. Louis Fed President James Bullard continuing that sentiment as well, saying that he didn't see the U.S. heading towards a recession, didn't see it on the, on the horizon, and sees a good chance of a soft landing. Now, you know, who knows how much you can take uh, the word of a Fed chairman. Bullard does remain in support of a 75 basis point move, uh, but is a little bit less hawkish going forward than some other Fed members. Um, but to go to our favorite economist here, Ed Hyman over at Evacor, Kip talked about this today as well. You know, he doesn't see, Evacor doesn't see the signs of a recession in the cards either. So hearing it from someone like Ed Hyman makes you feel a whole lot better than hearing it from somebody like Jay Powell. The biggest concern really is Jay Powell and that the Fed could induce a recession here by too, high, too aggressively hiking rates, much like we saw in December of 2018, the market was fine with the rate hikes until the very final one leading up to the 2018 December from hell. Uh, but as Hyman pointed out in their latest update, and as I mentioned earlier, I wanted to cover some inflation topics. We're seeing signs that inflation is easing. We've seen it in commodity prices. Lumber prices have fallen significantly from their peak. Copper prices hitting their lowest level since 2020. Same with silver, uh, seeing in oil and gas now. And check this out. Gasoline futures just plunged 90%, oh, 90%, 90 cents over the past five weeks. So we'll start to see that play out at the pump as well. And at the same time, break-even inflation expectations have also plunged. So we're seeing all of these signs that inflation could have peaked here. Then, on the other hand, we're also seeing signs that the economy is slowing. We've seen a slowdown in trucking, seen a big slowdown in housing. And like I said earlier, today we just hit the highest initial jobless claims since January. So again, if we see a weak jobs print tomorrow, that will really start to raise the alarms of whether or not the economy is slowing too much. But, you know, all of these signs together seem to point that if we truly have a data-dependent Fed, that they can ease off the brakes here for the economy. You know, instead of sending us into a recession, 
trying to bring inflation down below 2%. Let's just move a little bit slower here. Um, and as Jay Powell said in his meeting last week at the central bankers meeting in Portugal, he sees the possibility that inflation can come down quickly as demand subsides. So our question for Jay Powell would be if that's really how you feel and we're waiting on data to continue to tell us that, then why push the envelope now and risk sending the economy into a recession if we're already seeing signs that inflation is easing? We're already seeing signs that the economy is slowing. Why push it over the ed edge from there? So our biggest concern remains actually not with the Federal Reserve, but with the fact that so much of this destruction has seemed so intentional. Kip and I have talked about this a lot. You know, when you wake up every day, see mistake after mistake after mistake from the Biden administration, from those in charge of our major institutions here in the United States, at what point do you say, that's not a mistake? That's intentional, right? You know, it's not, we won't call it a high probability scenario that that's what's happening, but it's not outside the realm of possibility, so we can't rule it out. And really, while it may be just a small percentage chance that that happens, it remains one of our biggest concerns out there. Uh, and that's because we've seen the way that the left wants to push this country. They want to take the United States from any kind of a free market system into a socialist, communist type of system. And what is the really the only way to do that? You have to destroy people's lives, destroy their livelihoods, make them dependent on the government. So they, they need help so much that they're begging the government for help. And then the government has unlimited power from there. As we've seen, if you read of COVID-19, The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab, you know, if you haven't heard of Klaus Schwab yet, I highly encourage you to go do some research because this is very real, the things that they're talking about, that by 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. In his book, he writes that COVID-19 in 2020, he wanted that to mark the end of free market capitalism <laughs> and usher in his new form of stakeholder capitalism. You know, that's their goal there. So they're not even hiding it. They're out in the open about it. So again, that's our biggest concern here. But the good news is we're really, while we have seen the economy slow, we're not seeing the key indicators for a recession showing up. Yes, we've seen the yield cur curve invert. That doesn't always lead to a recession. It's not an infallible indicator. So the more you hear people talking about that, just remember that it doesn't always lead to a recession. Uh, but even with the jobless claim, claims data today, unemployment remains low at just a 3.6%. We might get a slight update to that tomorrow, but it's not going to take us way above that level. So the labor market does remain tight. Uh, and as we've seen, an even better indicator than a yield curve inverting is declining employment. That is a big predictor of recessions, and we aren't seeing that yet. We're also seeing other signs that you normally don't see before a recession. Namely, while GDP may have declined in Q1, and people will say that back-to-back -back quarters of declining GDP qualifies for a recession, I, I'm in the camp that these arbitrary indicators, even like a 20% down is a bear market, right? That's just an arbitrary number that people chose to define a bear market. 
you know, so don't take too much out of those, right? But even though we had a negative GDP growth in Q1, unemployment, or excuse me, employment increased by 4.7%. It's also on track to increase in Q2 as well. So that's just not the signs that you see right ahead of a recession. Also, we saw gross domestic income was positive in Q1 as well. That is an alternative measurement to GDP as well. So we're seeing positive numbers where it really matters in the economy. Folks, this just these aren't signs of a recession. But tomorrow's jobs number will be important. Again, expectations are for 265,000 jobs to be created. And really, as much as we want to see that jobless numbers be a million jobs created, two million jobs created, that obviously would be our ideal scenario, right? That everybody who has one or everybody who wants one can get a job. But a weaker than expected number should get the Fed to consider at least easing off the brakes. And if that's the case, then we really think this bear market rally has a way to run. And that's the bottom line here. We've been calling for this bear market rally for the last couple of weeks. And now as we see it, this could just be the beginning of it. Our markets haven't hit extreme overbought indicators yet on our VRA momentum oscillators. Uh, so we continue to believe we're still early on here. And remember, one key point here that we've been talking about for a long time, for the last couple months at least, is that the midterms are now just four months away. The market should be pricing in what will likely be a red wave, barring any type of rigged elections. But that would mean that there's gridlock in D.C. as the Dems will lose the majority in the Senate and the House. And if there's one thing that we know about gridlock in D.C., the markets love it. Because companies know that they can, you know, the rules that apply right now are going to stay the same. There aren't going to be a whole lot of new regulations being passed. So companies can operate as business as usual. They love gridlock in D.C. And you also have to consider that the Dems need a healthy stock market to have any chance of success in the midterms. So you can count on Biden and his administration calling on the plunge protection team here to at least get a big rally going into November to help their chances as much as they can. And as we've seen in the past, the Fed tends to love dim presidents much more than Republicans. So if that means calling the plunge protection team, they're going to go for it. And we're okay with that here. Um, all right. So that being said, let's take a look at our market action on the day to day. The NASDAQ led the way higher up roughly 2.3% to 11,621. Uh, excuse me, that was not the leader. Small caps were the leader up 2.43% to 1,769 for the Russell 2000. Next up, the S&P 500 up 1.5% to 3,902. And lastly, on the day, the Dow up 1.12% to 31,384. You know, good to see here today, all four of our major indexes finishing higher. Uh, we didn't see the Dow finish higher yesterday or the small caps the day before, so it wasn't all four. But good to see, and again, a major pattern change that we're seeing here with now making our third day in a row of strong, smart money hours. That's the kind of pattern change you love to see, the kind of pattern change that makes bears a little nervous and can contribute to the squeeze higher that I talked about earlier. 
Also today, we saw the semis having a really good day today, up a massive 4.6%. You know, that's exactly what you want to see. You want to see the semis participating. They just hit a 52-week low three days ago. Uh, we want to see them continue to rally from here. And then, as I mentioned earlier, too, our four FIFO stocks continue to lead the way higher from here. Our first in to a bear market, also first out. We really haven't heard anyone else talking about this, but all four of these picks have held their May 12th lows despite the market breaking below those lows, um, but all leading the way higher again today as well. So all four of those, ARK-K, the ARK Innovation ETF, their flagship fund, up a big 6.5% today, now up 33% since their May 12th lows. KWeb, the Chinese internet stock, also up big on the day. Biotechs, up 3% on the day today, now up 35% since their May 12th lows. And lastly, IPO, the Renaissance IPO ETF, up 4% on the day today. So again, all four of our FIFO stocks, that's ARK, IPO, KWeb, and XBI, all continuing to lead the way higher. We want to see them continue to lead the way higher from here. Next up, looking at our internals on the day, we finally got the action that we've been looking for in the internals. While we had solid days of market action the last two days, the internals were not strong. Uh, so today, we're getting a pattern change there as well. Advancing stocks, beating out declining stocks, over 3 to 1 positive for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. 52-week highs and lows continue to come in negative, but remember, this is a lagging indicator, okay? Not a huge deal that we're continuing to see more 52-week lows than highs. While you, of course, would like to see it reversed, it's just when you've had a big sell-off like this, so few stocks are near 52-week highs that really it's going to take some time for this indicator to catch back up. But we continue to look for that. That's not a negative. That's an opportunity. That's how we see it here. And then lastly, volume coming in strong. The NYSE came in with a 90% upside volume day. Technicians call that a bullish thrust. It's also a buy signal. NASDAQ also having a strong day. Not quite as good, but still 82% upside volume. Big difference from what we've seen the last two sessions. Looking at our sectors on the day, we finished with 10 out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. Energy led the way. It's been beaten up bad over the last few sessions. So, you know, good to see it retaking that leadership role. Followed there by consumer discretionary technology and communication services. Our one laggard on the day was utilities. Really just pretty flat on the day. But the 10-year yield did get back above 3% today, up 3.26%. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch. Gold now up 0.14% to $1,739 an ounce. Silver, basically flat on the day, up 0.09%, still hanging around its lows from 2020 at $19.17 an ounce. Copper, now up big, nearly 4% on the day to $3.54 a pound. Still, it's been beaten up badly as well. That's around its lowest level since December of 2020. And oil, back above $100 a barrel here, up 3.84% to $102 a barrel. Finally for today, Bitcoin now up a big 5.8%. You know, a lot of people starting to call for a bottom here, and Bitcoin is really stabilized around this, you know, just above, right around 20000 level today, right now at 
582 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.